I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Tom Montag, coming to us from the wilds of central Wisconsin. Tom lives in an rural area, and for him, place is very important in his poetry and in his life. So we'll be talking about those things, place, poetry, and life. His selected works came out. Selected from 1982 to 2013, he'll be reading from that book and others. Then I'm going to be talking to you about a wonderful resource for anybody interested in poetry, which is CanopyStreaming.com. Canopy is a service with an enormous database of films, many of which deal with literature and poetry. So stick around. I'm Charlie Rossiter. And this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Tom Montag from East Central Wisconsin. He is very much, you could say, a poet of place. And he's written many books of poetry and essays, active on the poetry scene in the state of Wisconsin for many years. His selected poems were published recently that come up to 2013. Well, Tom... I want to start by asking you something um, that seems reasonable to me from what I know of your work, which is, in your words, what are you doing with your writing and how does that relate to your life? I get the impression there's not much distance between the writing and the life. That's a big question. What am I doing with my poetry? I think that Poetry is a way to be in the world, whether you ever write it down or not. So it's a way of apprehending the world. To be a poet is to know and to name the things of the world uh, in as clear and musical a way as possible. There's an immediacy of uh, one's surroundings. We, we can only write what we can take in, and uh, I, I take in a lot of nature in my walks, uh, in my travels, um, and it's reflected in my poetry. I have been writing short moments, uh, and a lot of those ended up in the selected poems that came out in 13 in this place. And since then, I've started moving beyond that moment to unexplored territory beyond that. And it's for me to be able to step step into unexplored territory, so to speak. So uh, my poems are tending to get longer now than they, they used to be. I thought at one point my poem, poems were getting and shorter and I would have a book of blank pages eventually but that's not happening now they're getting longer and longer. Yeah, well, Does that answer the question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I love that knowing and naming as clearly and musically as you can. That's that's a really uh, succinct statement. To me it says a lot. I hope it's saying a lot to you folks who are listening. Uh, they, they remind me, or the ideas uh Remind me, I read a lot of the Chinese poetry in translation. And, uh, you know, some, much of your work reminds me of that. Uh, 
Is, is that um, I am right? Read a lot of <laughs> Japanese poetry and translation as well. And poetics of that poetry is very much uh, my own uh, way of uh, uh, seeing the world uh, and dealing with the world. So it's not surprising that I sound Chinese sometimes in my in my lines. It's more of being, I think, to the point without going on into various asides that a lot of contemporary poets do, um, longer poems do. Yeah, yes, the it's a it's a matter of seeing what's there and letting this the thing itself rather than imposing myself on the thing, let the thing impose itself on me which is sort of what the objectivists were trying to do as, as well. So there's, there's a large stream of that in American poetry. Uh, William Carlos Williams was very much like that, and he's one of my forefathers, and Robert Creeley is one of my forefathers. So those, that poetic is, is in my work. We could keep talking because you have a lot of things to talk about that I'm real interested in, but let, let's hear a poem or two, and then we'll return to conversation. Okay, I'm going to read a couple. Can I read a couple poems about uh, prayer? Sure. Um, if that's what you're into, you're the guest. Well, I'll, I'll be teaching a class on prayer, charm, uh, spell, chant, and mask. So I'm, I have these gathered for that purpose. So this is my poem, mm -hmm. You May Think I Pray. I say, Lord, and mean your God. Praise is my only prayer to that God who breathes the earth. Us breathe it too. Hmm. And another one: You need the dawn. You need dew on the grass. You need the lightning still at the edge of pain. You need small birds, chickadees, juncos, finches. They need to be dancing. There will be wind. The trees will be talking. The sky starting to brighten. You will see that you are not alone. Someone will say, bow your head. You will bow your head and pray. Where, where did that one come to you? Uh, Do you recall? Probably in my chair at my desk, thinking about my birds at the theater out uh, the dining room window. Um, <laughs> and uh, recognizing how important this this stuff of the world is to me how like natural things are so uh, there's a there's a lot of that one with everything in your poetry i think uh and of course you have your character ben zen uh which yes you think of that too uh, do you want me to read some Ben while you you haven't mentioned there? Oh sure. Uh, this these are from the uh, big book of Ben Zan. How, how did he come about? I, I have to tell you that I, I tell people if I couldn't read upside down, if um, I didn't eavesdrop shamelessly, and if I didn't hear voices, I'd have nothing to write about. And Ben <laughs> Zan is a voice. Uh, and there would be times I would be talking to someone and say something, and I'd say, 
Ben, and I'd have to write it down because it was a, a special. So uh, he just grew from that sound. You can't always go to the cave of a thousand Buddhas, Ben says, and you can never come back the same. Welcome, the holy man said, to all the wood I have. I have no fish either. If the wise man is surprised, Ben says, surprise yourself. So that's that's sort of uh, a taste of Ben's wisdom. Pithy, pithy bits of wisdom. And you know, also, you know, you uh, have you have you always been on the? I guess you've always been on the lookout for uh, things like that because you post all these quotes on the, on the uh, Facebook page for verse virtual uh, and and um, um, you just have a big collection of those. I have been reading a lot of. Uh, poetry since um, oh I would say in the past five years buying and reading an awful lot of poetry and when I find a line that speaks to me specially um, I mark it and then I don't tell people I dog ear the page and then I sure. set these on my shelf and I just go through the books and and um, every day I put up uh, two or three or four or five uh, quotes uh, from from those books uh, and yeah a lot of them are are, are quick pithy self-contained bits of uh, wisdom and it's it's a kind of um, kind of line that I like and I have to share them um, yeah. uh, nobody has sued me yet for doing it so we'll knock wood and see how that goes sounds good yeah you you said you mentioned that you wanted to be sure to read the uh, the title uh, poem from this new collection. You were recently honored from uh, by Woodland Pattern recently in Milwaukee. The book is called the chat book is called Imagination's Place, and the uh, subtitle is the Old Poet Poems. Poet, I'm probably about the same age as he is, but. It's not me, he, you know. This old poet lives in a sheep shed, uh, <laughs> sort of, I guess. Uh, and this is the title poem: "Imagination's Place." Old wood of his desk, marked with the weight of his amazement, stained dark. It is weary of his bad habits. In this together, one of them leaning on the other one of them pushing back. The edges dissolve. He is the tree it was, wind in his leaves now. Fly from here, they are set to cry, to laugh, there is no turning back. And then uh, the people that, that published it found a, a beautiful, big, humongous oak tree and uh, put it into four different parts uh, uh, and four different colors. It's just a gorgeous cover. I, oh, just, I saw the mock-up of it and I went, oh my God. <laughs> perfect, that's, just perfect. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, you know what's interesting is, is you are a poet of place, but I'm not sure uh, if I didn't know you, I would know that the place is North Central Wisconsin. Would I? 
Do, do you mention it in, in poems very often? Uh, no, it is this place, but this place is all places. So, no, I don't. I do have a book called, uh, uh, a series called The Fairwater Day Book coming out of uh, my experience driving to and from work and uh, is somewhat related to that, that stretch of road and that drive. But by and large, I don't name the places. In, uh, in this place, uh, there are sections. One is for Nebraska, one is for South Dakota, uh, Wyoming, uh, as places that I have passed through Kansas as well. So I've, I've gathered the poems that were written in that passing through uh, under the title of those states so that you can see, okay, this is a Nebraska. When I speak about this rock in Nebraska along I-80, if you drove that road, you would see that rock. Interestingly, your travels take you through what would be considered pretty empty places. Is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, you just went from Nebraska, well, at least western Nebraska, and certainly North Dakota. Wow. It's just uh, something that crossed my mind. Empty places. <laughs> my favorite spaces uh, to be in, actually. And uh, my wife humors me. Uh, let's me do those things and and uh, you know when we go through empty places in northern Canada she'll say oh another pretty little lake oh another tall grass prairie uh, and uh, so I told her that earned her a trip to a warm tropical island and so every year we go to Cozumel which is uh, a different experience uh, and get some poems down there. Sure, sure. Unlike that place. Unlike northern Manitoba. <laughs> Let, let's hear a couple more poems. Yeah, I, I was recently thinking about history and uh, that whole idea, you know, of who writes it. So what do we really know of what happened and what you learned in school? And then what you learn from things like a letter home or somebody's scrapbook in the attic. Yeah. And it's just two different histories. Uh, the nitty gritty story, not the not the overarching great men story. Yeah. Uh, I have another voice uh, of a pioneer prairie widow. Uh, I think like 1880s tall grass prairie, uh, whose husband uh, died exactly how I don't know but she's left on the, the cabin on the prairie uh, with children and this is the the poem called daybreak from that series and it's interesting that there are poems in that series that I can't read in public because I break down I choke up and break down I don't know where how do I speak in the voice of a woman and how is it so powerful in my understand that but I I I open myself to it um, this is daybreak the prairie grass stands so tall it covers dawn 
oil cloth on the windows, and only the glow of the fireplace speaks of morning. In the loft above, the children are stirring. The corn mush thickens. My back goes straight like another horse to harness. Kills me. Yeah. I, I, I had, a, had a book of, I forget what it was called. Maybe the word wind was in the title. And it was all these excerpts that these people had collected. Uh, they put out notices in newspapers out there. I remember I bought it at uh, Scott's Bluff gift store. Uh-huh. And uh, just this reminded me of that. It was these, they were all short to be a page or maybe even less of just snippets of what life was like. Just incredible. Yes. Uh, and then, the, you know, uh, Robert Creeley told a story when I saw him read about uh, a poet who was giving a reading in the Midwest uh, at a university, and those Midwestern uh, farm kids uh, were in the audience, and uh, during the question and answer, one of them said of one of the poems, was that a real poem, or did you just make it up? <laughs> <laughs> this is a real poem, uh, Appalachia Summer, 1968. He's thin as a rail. He's wearing denim overalls, no shirt. I say, how come you're so skinny? He says, ain't no fat people in the mountains. He's chewing a plug of tobacco. Our smart aleck from New York asks, the mountain kid says, 14. New York says, then give me a chaw that, and he stuffs a wad in his mouth. Later, he's puking his guts out around the corner of the house. Mountain kid just smiles. He distance, speaks his wisdom. You're supposed to spit the juice out. <laughs> it reminds me of an experience last summer. I'm at a lake here in Vermont, and this guy comes up with the paddles. He's rented, you know, going to go out and, and row the boat uh, mm -hmm. there at the lake, got the things from the ranger. And uh, he asked me which end of the boat is the front. It was a, <laughs> it was a rowboat. I was a little astonished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he should be out on the water. Yeah. Well, he had his vest. Of course, sure he wasn't going to take his vest off. But it was just kind of, it was just really astonishing to me. I mean, uh, not knowing is one thing, but having no ability to infer is another one. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I told him, and that was nice. You know. I won't mention where he's from. <laughs> a highly populated state <laughs> and we have many of them around here so uh, anyway uh, just just to close us out here um you want to say anything about lorene neidecker she's a wonderful poet and i'm not sure if a lot of people know about her or not there's an annual gathering in wisconsin uh her property's there oh, and I know. yeah the lorene neidecker poetry festival yeah. um yeah, autumn every year i'm on the board of the friends of lorene and our mission is to preserve and carry on uh, her memory um, and we're trying to do that uh, we established a monograph series essays about her uh, life and work uh, 
uh, for the interested general reader, not academic essays and not a popularization sweet place in between that that is personal and yet uh, brings us new wisdom and insight mm -hmm. about our life and the work. Uh, That's great. I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, helping with that. So. Yeah, that's a good project. Do you have a last short poem you'd like to do, or? Yes, I do. I, I this, this is called Wads. On warm December, though darkness lingers like a horse on good pasture, the wind which brings in sky. If you are not already home, you can see it from here. This is the way it is when you love your life. All right. That's great. Thanks, Tom. We've been visiting here with Tom Montag from out there in north central Wisconsin. And uh, I'm Charlie Rossiter. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and you are listening to Poetry Spoken Here. We've been visiting with Tom Montag out there in central Wisconsin. And now I'm going to do something that we do occasionally, tell you about a wonderful resource for people interested in poetry. Today's resource is called Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y. It's a large archive of nearly 30,000 films, documentary, classic, and indie. And they have been serving, in recent years, over 3,000 campuses, worldwide. And now they are expanding. They work through libraries and now expanding through public libraries. So it's something to know about. They've moved from Australia to San Francisco and they were voted the best, best database of 2016. I went looking at Canopy when I heard about this and there are categories for uh, films run through all just about all the disciplines. So naturally, I clicked on literature. There were over 800 films. I just want to let you know a few of the things that might be available to you if you take the time to go to your library and suggest that they sign up for Canopy to serve their public. Many libraries are doing this, and if you get people to do it in your community, well, you know, libraries like to treat their patrons well they'll probably do it for you. So, But here's a few things I saw. A lot of Shakespeare. There are several productions of Hamlet. There's King Lear, Macbeth, Othello, Much Ado About Nothing. It's, it's just a tremendous resource. I looked for specific poets just out of interest, sort of a subcategory in literature. And Well, there was Anna Akhmatova, Sonia Sanchez, Maya Angelou, Jimmy Baca's movie, A Place to Stand, is there. Of course, there's a documentary about Emily Dickinson. You couldn't have this without her. And the great Canadian poet Al Purdy, a very interesting person, if you don't poet. If you don't know him, there's something you'll learn if you get that. There was a Robert Bly documentary I had not seen before. And another film that was a lengthy interview with Eileen Miles. I could go on and on. It's pretty much like Netflix. There's the little picture and the title. And if you click on it, you get a couple of sentences telling you what it's about. And you know how long it is. That sort of thing. So it's uh, 
something that many communities are starting to have available to them, and surely more are going to get on this bandwagon because it's just irresistible. And if you're on a campus, you might check if your campus library already has it. Some campus libraries have had it for a while. So I hope um, that's of interest to you. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. 